We hope you're blessed and encouraged by the following study from Calvary Chapel, Elmani. It's our simple prayer that you would grow stronger and deeper in an intimate and personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Should you have any questions, please feel free to contact us here at Calvary Chapel, Elmani. Let's open up to Matthew 25. Well, we continue this passage, uh, amazing, amazing before us. And I just want to read it again, and then we're going to come back, touch on a few things, and then focus in on what the Lord has for us this evening. Remember in verse 31, it says, When the Son of Man comes in His glory, and all the holy angels with Him, then He will sit on the throne of His glory. All the nations will be gathered before Him, and He will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And He will set the sheep on His right hand, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these my brethren, you did it to me. And then he will say to those on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not take me in. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. And then they also will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? And then he will answer them saying, Assuredly. Okay, just in case you're doubting, I just want you to circle that word. Assuredly, I say to you, and as much as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into everlasting, notice, punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. You know, it's interesting, Matthew 25 here, it starts off with a parable of talents that were given and remember uh, the talents and you know some people they went and they took their talents and they invested it and they you know gathered more uh, but there was one who was uh, described as a wicked lazy servant and they took their talent and they buried it and the Lord you know came and he had some pretty heavy words for that guy you know I, I, I just I, I know that we have to take this in context and we have to search our hearts you know, looking at this, again, Jesus is talking about something that takes place right after the tribulation period, uh, after that seven years when Jesus comes and he separates the sheep from the goat. What ends up happening is he judges the nations and the sheep enter into the millennial kingdom, also known as the thousand-year reign of Christ, but the goats, he says, are not allowed entrance. Uh, we even read those terrifying words there, in verse 41 where Jesus said, Depart from me, you cursed it into the everlasting fire. Again, hell wasn't prepared for man. It was created for the devil and his angels. 
But Jesus said, because of their rejection of him, this is where they would end up forever. And of course, you know, the Lord separating the sheep from the goats, just saying these were really saved, these really weren't. You know, the reasoning of our Redeemer is because the sheep were saved, they accepted Christ as Lord and Savior. And therefore, what ended up happening was they did good works. You know, I know before I was a Christian, I was getting high, getting drunk, and doing all the things, all the addictions that people do apart from Christ oftentimes. I had no power to stop that. Basically, I had no power to do what was right for the right reason. You know, you got people in Hollywood today, they might give a lot of money. You might have Bill Gates or some other philanthropist doing good works, but they're not doing it for the glory of God. You see, when you do the right thing for the right reason, then it proves you're a Christian. I'm doing this not to, you know, whatever, toot my own horn or, or just for the you know, the benevolence of men. I'm doing this. Jesus said, you give a cup of water in his name. And so you go and you give a, a lunch sack. Jesus loves you. You go and you, you know, you buy someone some shoes. These are from the Lord. He laid it on my heart. This is from him. Because otherwise what ends up happening is you receive the glory. But when we do the right thing for the right reason, then it shows you're a Christian. And of course, you know, we've been emphasizing the fact that it's not just the religious stuff. And I think this is what oftentimes, you know, people who go to church, are, they have that misconception. They think, well, because I go to church, because I, I read the whole Bible, because I memorize, you know, verses, or I have the bumper sticker, the magnet on my refrigerator, or whatever it is, you know, you've got that Christian paraphernalia that it proves you're a Christian, that's not. Those are cool. Those are spiritual disciplines and they're required. And I think you definitely have to have a hunger to pray and to read the Bible and to go to church. Don't get me wrong. But that's really not like the action that Jesus is looking for. He's looking for you to go and you find someone who's hungry and you give them food. Someone's thirsty, you give them drink. Someone who doesn't have any clothes or they're poor and they're needy. They're hurting of the world. He's looking for you to go and you find someone who's sick and you visit them or in prison and you write to them or you go visit them. Real tangible things. Learning that my Christianity is not just uh, you know, a, a, a religion, that it's really an interaction and a relationship with him that manifests itself in reaching out to other people. You see? And so that's what the Lord is saying, you know? It's not that by doing this, you're, you, you get saved. Because the Bible says that we can't, no one's good enough to go into heaven on their own righteousness. Maybe you're here today and you've given away a million dollars. Maybe you're here today and you're a very good person. You're better than all the rest of us. You're not good enough to go to heaven on your own righteousness. We need Jesus. And what ends up happening is when you acknowledge you need Jesus, and you're willing to turn from your sins, even your sin of unbelief, even your sin of self-righteousness, when you turn from your sins and you trust in Christ, then you're saved. Today when we went to go visit that man in the hospital, and he's there, and he's on death's door, you know, we don't know how much longer he has. Doctors say he's bleeding internally, everything's shutting down. We're there, and we can come with something. We come with the, the gospel and we tell him and we know it's true 
And Paul the Apostle said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation. I can share Jesus with them. And simply if they, they put their faith in, in him, that if they die, they'll go to heaven. And he did. And there's the, the daughter, Kathy, just crying, primarily because she saw the way that her dad, and she was assured of the fact that he, he knows the Lord. You see, we have that, that message and when that happens and we go out and we share it with people, when it's real, the life changes. When it's not real, the life doesn't really change. And you might be here today and I just got to tell you this. You may have been to this church 10,000 times. You might not know the Lord. Do you really know the Lord you know, do you have the works? Do you have the evidence? Do you have the heart? Are you interested in the things of God? You know, are you interested in the people that God is interested in? I, you know, we just can't say that enough. Because it's the last thing we want is, well, I went to Calvary Chapel on Monty and I was there, you know, literally 7,336 times. And, and, you know, you stand before God one day at the great white throne judgment. Why? Because it wasn't real. There wasn't an absolute surrender. And, and so, you know, here, you know, we're talking about some very serious things. And the Lord is just saying, well, these are the things, you know, that I'm looking for. And, and I don't know about you, but I like lists. You know, my wife tells me, take care of the house. Can you fix up the house? And I'm like, well, what does that mean? <laughs> oh, she's oh, well, fix the lock and the drip over there. And the other day we had a, you know, um, a thing on our water heater and I'm serious it was a leak on our water heater for three months right and I was like no problem you just put the bucket there you empty it out no big deal right <laughs> finally I can't believe it I fixed it you know it was a hose <laughs> but then I learned um, last night we came home and there was our other water heater and it's, it's dripping and, and she, you know she said, why is it that she always finds out first you know she's oh, I hear something and then you know, you go and, and you fix it. I'll be honest with you. In one sense, and I know this is probably not right, I almost would rather have a list. Say, I want to make you happy. You know, I want you to know how much I love you, sweetheart. Give me a list. <laughs> what do you want? Okay, I want chocolate, I want roses, and I want you to fix the water heater and mow the grass. I'll be, okay, cool. You got it. In, in one sense, that's kind of what we're seeing here. It's like the Lord's giving a list. This is my list. Find somebody who's hungry, you know, one you know, every single day, 21,000 children die because they don't have the right food, because they don't have food. Find one of those kids. Find one and feed them. Every single day, 875 million people don't have clean drinking water. Find one, maybe give 10 bucks and give them water. You know, whatever the case may be, the, the stranger, the, the Greek word is to love strangers. And so welcome them into your home. Maybe they need a place to crash, a place to stay, or find somebody who's all alone. Find somebody, and you go up to them. This is what I'm looking for. God's saying I'm making it so clear. I, I know you like to hang out with your, your clan and your group and your people, but, you know, get outside your comfort zone and find the stranger. Find the one that's all, this is what I'm looking for. And that one who's sick, and those people, you heard they're sick, and you got the prayer request. You know, how about you go 
and you visit them. Because this is the, the distinctive between you know, the sheep and, and the goats. You know, I was looking at this and I was just even wondering, you know, what are the difference between sheep and goats in, you know, the animal kingdom? And we know that there are some things that are kind of interesting, uh, some of them that are not probably that big of a deal. Uh, for example, sheep have uh, 54 chromosomes while goats have 60. Okay, there is a distinction there. Uh, I don't know if you knew this, but if you, in case you ever see one of those creatures right there and you're wondering, is it a sheep or a goat, a, a goat's tail will go up unless it's afraid or sick or in distress. Sheep's tails will hang down and they're often cut off for health and sanitary reasons. And so, you know, that's kind of interesting. Here's something that's interesting, though. Did you know the difference between sheep and, and goats is that sheep's graze. In other words, they put their head down and they and they eat the grass and the the, the, gr the, the, the grub that's on the ground, so to speak. They kind of stick to that. But what we find is that goats don't do that. Goats actually browse. Uh, they are natural browsers, preferring to eat leaves and twigs and vines and shrubs. Uh, as a matter of fact, that goats are agile to stand on their hind legs and reach vegetation. And so goats like to eat the tops of plants. A lot different than sheep. And I was just thinking about that. And I was thinking about how sheep... Um, I remember having a bumper sticker uh, about sheep. Like it says, Calvary Chapel, where the sheep like to eat, where the sheep like to graze. Because we graze on God's word, huh? That's what sheep do. Goats don't. Goats are like, hey, you know, what does that guy have to say? What do they have to... What's the world saying? Do you have a hunger for God's word? Seriously. I mean, I know for some of you here, you know what I'm talking about. When you are so excited about getting into the Word, and you wake up in the morning, and maybe you spend some time in prayer, then you open up your Bible, and you say, God, speak to me. God, teach me. If you don't have a hunger for God's Word, then there's probably a good sign. You don't know the Lord. And you're like, well, I don't know how to do it. You've got to be broken. See, that's the sheep and the goats. They're, they're a lot different. Um, most goats have hair coats that do not require shearing or combing. But the sheep, you guys know, they usually grow, not all, but most of them grow woolly coats that need to be sheared at least annually. And you're like, well, what does that mean? And again, I, I don't want to overdo this, but I will say this. I remember reading a book by Warren Wiersbe, and he said, sheeps are useful. You know, you take and you, and you, and you shave off that, that woolly coat and... You know, that's actually productive. That's what Christians are to the kingdom. You know, we're productive in that sense. And then, you know, you read throughout this and it's interesting about the way that they fight and even the, 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 the smartness of these two creatures. Uh, and we see a lot of different things. Um, but in the animal kingdom, we see some definite distinctives. But I think they're not all transferable. But one thing we do see in the kingdom of God is there is a distinction in the way that they produce benevolent works for the glory of the one true God. And sheep, they give food to the hungry, drink to the thirsty, they welcome the stranger, they give clothes to the needy, and they visit the sick, even those who are in prison. And again, I have to reiterate constantly that they don't save you, these works don't save you, but they prove that you're saved. And so you have to just you know, ask yourself, when was the last time you did any of these things? 
And if you're like, well, it's been, I don't know if I, like, I don't remember, then you better get to work, man. You better search your heart. You better leave right here and go get a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and find one of these guys that are hungry or something, man. See, that's what God wants. We should be doing practical things like this. And what we find is now we come to this place. You know, and it's interesting. I I, I do want to look at one cross-reference, if you would keep your marker here in Matthew 25, and, and go over Luke 3, if you would. When Henry was talking about this last week, uh, just it made me think about all the clothes that I have. Does any of you here? Do any of you here have closets that are like, like bursting? Like you, maybe you don't have enough closet room. Anyone here like that? Or uh, you know, do you have a drawer that you can't close anymore because of all the clothes that are in them? Then this might be good for you. Look at Luke uh, chapter three. In verse 8, it says, uh, John's speaking to these guys. It's interesting. He says in verse 7, he said to the multitude that came out to be baptized by him, Brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? And so he, he, he tells these guys, remember this is John the Baptist, and all these people are coming, and he calls them snakes, offspring of snakes. Who warns you? You know, he's just messing with them. Who warns you to flee from the wrath to come? And this is what he says. Therefore, here it is. And this is kind of what we're, we're touching on, you guys. Bear fruits worthy of repentance. And do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. And even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And what's he saying? He's kind of saying the same thing. These guys were thinking we're good because we're Jewish. I'm good because my parents are saved. I'm good because my uncle's a pastor or whatever. My cousin's uh, in the ministry. I mean, you have this ridiculous thought sometimes. No, he says, don't say anything about your parents. Don't say anything about your ancestry He said, God's able to raise up descendants of Abraham from these stones. No, you bear fruits worthy of repentance. You show a life, you you show a life that really proves you're saved. Because let me tell you something, John says. Right now the axe is is there laid to the root of the tree. I mean, it's almost like God is ready to cut it down. He says, unless something changes. And what does God do when he cuts down that tree? He throws it into the fire. And so they're like, oh, what do we do? You know, what do we do? And you know what John says? Go to church. No, he doesn't say that. Look what he says right here. Verse 10, so the people asked him, saying, what shall we do then? He answered and said to them, he who has two tunics, let him give to him who has none. I mean, that's funny how he would say that. I mean, usually we would say, well, you know, the the religious vernacular. And John says, no, go deeper. I know how you guys are. You're all into your clothes. You're all into your appearance. And here's this guy over here. He doesn't have a jacket. You got two jackets? Give one away. He's he's dealing again with the fruit of of our life. And then he goes on and he talks about these things that... 
Him give to him who has none, and he who has food, let him do likewise. Again, then tax collectors also came to be baptized. They said to him, What shall we do? He said to them, Collect no more than what is appointed for you. And the soldiers said, Hey, what shall we do? And he said, Hey, you know, um, do not intimidate anyone or accuse falsely, and be content with your wages. These were all things that they were struggling with. And, and so back in Matthew, the Lord is, is always just, man, just challenging us, you know, to have that real spiritual life. And that's why I, I really, I'll be honest with you, um, this study today especially, to visit the sick, was a very convicting study for me because I know so many sick people that need to be visited. I mean, I pray for them every day. I pray for Frank. I pray for Melinda. I pray for for Bob. I pray for John. I I pray for them every single day. But what we're going to see today is God says, that's not enough. You need to go visit them. God says, if you know what I'm talking about, if you want it to be real. Notice again there in verse 36. I was naked and you clothed me. Jesus says, I was sick and you visited me. The Greek word astheneo, for sick, it means to be weak. It means to be sick. It means to be diseased. It speaks of someone who's feeble. But here's something interesting. It literally means, uh, the A is the negative, it means they have no strength. Asthenio. Here's someone that, that God shows you. It could be physical. It might be spiritual, but they have no strength. They're feeble. They're weak. They're sick. Physically, maybe they're, spi- they're sick spiritually. And, and so the Lord says, I was sick and you visited me. You visited me. You know, here's someone, uh, maybe they're you know, bedridden. Maybe they just can't get out of the house. They might be in the hospital. And so you found out about it. You might stumble upon the information or you might even ask someone, hey, how's so-and-so doing? I wonder. And then God, what he does, I, I don't know about you, but let me just ask you this. Just out of curiosity, I'm curious. Do you ever get that prompting in your heart to go visit someone who's sick? How many of you do get that? Just out of curiosity. Okay, because uh, I know I do. And the rest of you, I think you better start listening, man. Maybe there's earwax in there or something, you know. Well, let me ask you another question. Do you know someone who's sick? you know someone who's sick? They're in the house or in the hospital. They can't get out. Maybe you don't feel it, but we walk by faith and, and not by feelings. And now you know it. God says, this is what I, what I want you to do. What do you do besides pray? Well, Jesus says, uh, you visited me. And this is an interesting word uh, in the Greek language for visited, episkeptomai. And it means uh, to visit, but it, it's made up two Greek words uh, that mean literally to look upon. You know, because I'll be honest with you, I was trying to get out of this. I was trying to find a loophole. I was trying to say, Lord, well, how about if I text them? <laughs> how about if I call them? How about if I send a card to them? And the Lord said, no. And I was thinking, well, I do need to mention those things because I do think 
that they're pretty cool, getting a phone call, getting a card from someone, it does let them know that you're thinking about them. But if I give you the Bible, the Bible doesn't say that that's sufficient. It literally means you have to look at them. You have to look over them. There's another Greek word called episkopos. It's almost the same thing in the Greek. It means an overseer. So this Greek word means that you actually, you know, you can see them. And, and it really means to see them, literally see them, so that you can discover how they're really doing. And there is that, you know, there is that, that mentality, you know, where you can, you know, touch someone on the phone or whatever. You get the relayed information that's traveled through the grace vine or whatever, you know. But there's nothing like being there. And God says, when they're sick, when they're weak, when they're weary, when they have no strength, you go to them. There's nothing like going to them. There's nothing like visiting them. Because I was trying to get out of it. And again, I do, I do believe a call is good and whatever it might be, a card. But technically, it's not what the Bible is talking about. Notice here in verse 39, here's something interesting. Or, or Now these guys, the, the, the goats, are, are arguing with the Lord. Or when did we see you sick or in prison? And here's something interesting. Come to you. And I'm sorry, these are the sheep. They're asking the question, when did we come to you? So the visit is to look over them to see how they're doing. The visit is coming to them. It really is. Uh, this Greek word, it, it means what it, it says here in the English. It means literally to come from one place to another. It means to make your appearance. And so, you know, that, that's what God's saying. This is what you do when you're saved. You give food to the hungry and water to the thirsty and you give clothes to the naked and you give love to the stranger and, and you go visit sick people. You go visit them. Now one last thing uh, that is very important for us to see, I think, in our text is it's not just visiting them or showing up with some sort of, you know, obligation or physical obligation. Because, you know, you might go visit somebody and you might, they might just want you to leave. <laughs> like, you leave, you know, because you're not here doing what God's called you to do. Because look what it says right here in verse 44. This is important. Then they will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not what? Minister to you. So it's not just going to their house and showing up and saying, here, you know, here's a pie or whatever. It, it's more than that. Where God says, you visit them, you look over them, how are they really doing? And, you, and the word in the Greek language is where we get our word deacon. It, it's, a, it's a service word. You serve them. It's a spiritual service. See, that's what ministry is. That's what a minister is. Just someone who's willing to do the spiritual service. And God says, this is really what you're to do in my kingdom. It can be, again, uh, I think, start maybe with a phone call. And so today, you know what I was doing? I'll be honest with you. I'm going to be, you know, okay, John. I, I, some of you guys know John Rivera. He's been sick for a long time. 
called him up today. Bro, how you doing? I've been talking to him on the phone, but we got to set something up, man, because I'm teaching this study tonight, and I'm getting convicted. And, and I call Melinda, and I'll share this with you guys. You know, I don't see the tithes that come in. I don't do the tithes back there. But, you know, I do get the mail. And so Melinda, she hasn't been able to come to church for a long time. But you know what she does? She sets her tithes in the mail. And so every time I see that envelope from her, I get just get super convicted. Here's a lady that can't get out of her house. And she's sending the church her tithes. Man, you better get over there and you better visit her. And I talked to her today. And we got so many people. We got Liz. We got, you know... I think of Conrad. I think of a lot of people that need visits. And I will share this with you too, that there are some who think, well, it's the pastor's job. Why didn't Manny go? Why didn't Manny do this? And, you know, I had to go see them and Manny didn't. And this is, I'll just say this. I'm not trying to pass the buck, but I am saying this, that I can't visit everybody. I can't be in every situation. I'm blessed that we have others who can. And together, we visit the sick. Together, we minister to the needs of the people that are weak. You know, and so I got my convictions, and I was just open with you. I, I pray that we would have that heart and understand. Because if what this church is limited to is what I can do, only I can do, only the people I can see, do you realize how limited we will be? How I might neglect my family? How I might neglect other things? So together, what do we do? Together we, we visit the sick. Why? Because we're sheep and we have a shepherd. We're sheep and we're like our shepherd. Did you guys know that God does visitations? You guys know that? You know, in Genesis 50, verse 24, Joseph said to his brethren, I am dying, but God will surely visit you. I like that. God will surely visit you. And sure enough, we know that God did. As a matter of fact, we read in Exodus 13, verse 19, Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for he had placed the children of Israel under Saul, Moses saying, God will surely visit you. So we visit people. God has visited us, hasn't he? You know, when the children of Israel were there in Egypt in their most difficult time, when they were weak, when they were sick, when they were suffering, God came over their house. God visited them. God ministered to them. See, that's why we're being like the Lord when we do stuff like that. You know, there, there's a really neat psalm. Even though we're not worthy, um, we are needy people. And it says in Psalm verse, chapter 8, verse 4, What is man that you were mindful of him, and the son of man that you visit him? And so God visits us. That's one of the reasons we visit people, because we're supposed to be like God. And it should be in our hearts. You know, God will put this in our heart. If you would, go over to Acts 15. I don't know if this ever happens to you, but I want to encourage you guys, man. Get blessed with this. Have fun with this. Be stretched with this. Look what it says in Acts 15 in, in verse 36. It says, Then after some days Paul said to Barnabas, Let us now go back and visit our brethren 
in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. I love that, you guys. You know, when you think of individuals that might need that visit from you, same Greek word where you go and you literally look over them to see how they're doing. What we find, if you go over to James 1, and this is a passage that we've gone back to many, many times, but James chapter 1, in verse 27, it says, Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble than to keep oneself unspotted from the world. You see what that is, you guys? That's a visitation. That's, let me see how you're doing. That's, let me be with you. That's, how can I minister to you? How can I serve you, orphans and widows? You see, this is what God is looking for. You know, God might even heal the sick if you go and you visit someone. Um, James chapter, I'm sorry, Acts 28, it gives us a, a, an example of when they did this. And in Acts 28, in verse 8, it says, And it happened that the father of Publius lay sick of a fever and dysentery. And so Paul went into him and prayed, and he laid his hands on him and healed him. I mean, this is a kind of, you know, this is what we're talking about. This guy was sick. He's got not only a fever showing there's an infection, but he has dysentery. And so Paul goes to him, and every time you go to somebody, you know, you might take some oil. You may, you know, you can get the fancy oil that costs three bucks for a little bottle that big at, you know, one of the Christian bookstores, or you can even get the big Crisco oil. It doesn't even matter. You know, you just get some oil, and then you go over there, and you don't have to be a pastor. You can just be somebody who cares. And you go and you visit them and you anoint them. And of course, we'll talk a little bit about that, how there is that Christian and leadership element, but you know, you go and, and, and God can heal. I've seen, I literally have been, by God's grace, a part of seeing people healed instantly, instantly, of fevers, of cancer, of going in surgery the next day. Because God doesn't always do it, but He is able to do it, right? And you go in and you pray over them. Every physical ailment should always begin by that individual seeking first God, then the physicians. You know? And so here, you know, Paul went in, the guys, he got healed. And so when this was done, the rest of those on the island who had diseases also came and they were healed and they also honored us in many ways. You know, the Lord just did a great work and God can do the same thing in your life. Now, let me just share this with you, uh, just a couple more verses and then we're, and then we're done. Over in James chapter 5. There's a beautiful balance here. Because if you're sick, do you know what the Bible says? It says in verse 14 of James 5, Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. So someone's sick and, and we got to know like that, I guess you could say the order and the structure. I'm sick. I've got pneumonia. And I remember that. I had walking pneumonia. 
I called for the elders of the church to come over my house and pray over me because that's what the Bible says to do. And someone might say, well, they haven't come and prayed over me. Well, yeah, it, it is a double thing. I mean, hopefully, you know, we'll find out about it and hopefully we'll be moved to do it. But biblically speaking, it's really the one who's sick who calls and, and they come. So there's that balance here that God has just given to us that is so beautiful. And when they go um, and, they, and they pray over that person, it says, by faith. Notice what it says right here. It says, confess your trespasses to one another. If there's anything going on there, God's going to deal with all that stuff, right? And then I just love what it says. It says, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. In other words, you know... Elijah, a guy just like us, he has his hang-ups. He went through depression. I mean, he got afraid of uh, Jezebel. I mean, you know, he had his fears. But I tell you what, in praying, God opened and closed the heavens. And so today, when we went and visited that that man in the hospital, um, it was kind of cool the way it worked out, too, to be honest with you, because you're doing, well, the only reason you went to the hospital today, Manny, is because you were teaching that study today, right? No, okay. <laughs> I had actually sent a Facebook message previously to her. And I said, if you ever want us to go visit him, let me know. It wasn't until today that she said, come. And so I told Henry, I said, we got to go. Henry's all, no, we're having lunch right now. And I said, no, I'm just joking. He didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> You know, we went, and and it was just such a blessing to be able to see God move in in that way. And so I really I really pray, you guys, that um, we would be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, and that this church uh, that 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 there would be an awakening. Uh, there would be awakening. Not that you're you know trying to to do works to get saved, but that you're searching your hearts and you're knowing what's expected of you. It's not just a religious thing real tangible things because I know Henry and any of you who have done visitation, some of you guys here, you go on a regular basis, um, probably you'll be the first to say that not only does God work through you, hopefully, but God really works in you. And a lot of times when you go visit these people in the hospital or the old folks' homes or wherever they are, you walk out far more blessed than than they do. <laughs> You know, you, you go and you give the, uh, uh, someone, you know, because you have 37 t-shirts, right? And you go and you give a couple away. Doesn't it make you feel good? You want to know why it makes you, you feel good? Because it is good. That's what God wants. Okay? And so let's do that. Lord, we thank you so much for just making it so simple. Uh, even this study, uh, to me, Lord, a simple study about how you want us to visit the sick. And there are so many out there, Lord. I pray you would lead us and guide us. I pray, Lord, that together as a church we can tackle these issues. And 
Lord, just lift you up and, and just see you work in, in many ways because people get down and sometimes they even drift away from God because they get isolated. And what a difference, what a huge, huge difference that that visitation might make. And so give us wisdom in these things, Lord. Bless your people, Lord, I pray. In Jesus' name. We hope you were encouraged by this study. If you have any questions, please call us at Calvary Chapel El Monte at air code 626-454-3414. Remember that Jesus loves you.